0: Listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. I am one of your hosts, Clark Rockfall, and I am the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind, and I'm joined by.
1: I am your other host, um, Nanda Kumar, and I am the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist. For ACB.
0: And we are back on track, Swatha. We are coming to you, uh, not live, but pre-recorded, following the 60th ACB Conference and Convention. Thank you to everyone who was able to join us for this year's convention here in 2021. And good news, if there are some sessions that you have missed, they are being recorded, or they were recorded, they're being cleaned up, polished up, and they will be available as podcasts. So we already have our general sessions and primetime events appearing on the ACB Media Network and Pinecast, as well as other places where you download and listen to your, uh, you know, via your favorite podcast player. You can always search for ACB Convention or visit acbmedia.org to find out more. And this year we did have tracks of programming and Friday we will make available the uh, health and wellness track for all those get up and get moving fans out there. And each week our, our folks at ACB Media will be working to debut another track of programming from this year's conference and convention. Also, Thank you to ACB of Minnesota for your continued support of the ACB advocacy update. And for folks that would like to learn more about ACB, you can always visit our website. Come join us, join the ACB community, the ACB family, get involved, and you can learn more at acb.org. All right, Swatha. Well, here we are. Uh, We've had a successful conference and convention. And at this year's convention, we held virtual elections, and that's kind of related to what we're talking about here today, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so today we have our newly elected leaders, um, our new first vice president, Deb cook Lewis, and our new board members, um, our board director- board directors, um, Chris Bell, Connie Sims, and Ken Simeon Sr.,
0: All right. Well, Swatha, since you mentioned our new first vice president, Deb Cook-Lewis first, Deb, good afternoon, good morning, depending on what time zone you're in.
2: That's right. It's morning still here. Uh Uh-huh.
0: All right. And Deb, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like you said, it's still morning there. Where are you Mm -hmm. from? Mm -hmm.
2: I live in Clarkston, Washington, which is kind of a suburb of Lewiston, Idaho. Uh, We're about a mile from the Idaho border and about 30 miles from the Oregon border. So it's a little unknown portion of the state.
0: And a a beautiful portion of the state. Hope you all are Mm -hmm. uh, safe right now with the, the wildfires there on the West Coast.
2: They've been very close to our house, but we have not personally had to evacuate, although we know people who have.
0: Oh, wow. We'll we'll keep you in our thoughts. Uh, Mm -hmm. Deb, for those who are unfamiliar with you, how Mm -hmm. long have you been involved with ACB and what other elected positions have you held in ACB or affiliates? Mm
2: -hmm. Well, I've been a member of ACB since the early 90s. I've actually been active in consumer organizations since the mid-70s. But with ACB since the mid-90s, on the state level, I've been a board member of the Washington Council of the Blind, and also I've been treasurer for terms, two different two-year term cycles. And on the national level, I was elected to the Board of Publications in 2016. Um, that year, I was a JP Morgan Chase Fellow, by the way, which is not an office, but it's a big honor, so i have to like to mention it. And in 2019, after serving uh, three years in the elected Position on the Board of Publications, I was appointed chair of the BOP. So I've been pretty active in in both the state and national in terms of offices.
0: That's great. And again, congratulations on being elected in our first virtual elections where all ACB members of record were able to participate as mm-hmm. our new first Vice President of ACB. And
2: thank you so much. And I am so glad our members got to participate in that way. I think that's a super accomplishment for ACB.
0: And speaking of our virtual elections, let's just hop on a, a quick plane or train ride or maybe even bus ride there uh, down. Oh, Connie, what would it be? Would it be a I-90 or I-80? Or are you just skirting uh, in between it, in South Dakota?
3: That's what both South Dakota and Sioux Falls were right on the I-90 and 29, so coming from Washington, it would have to be from 90 eventually, but yeah, (laughs) it would be a plane, plane would probably be the best way to get to here from Um, (laughs) (laughs) Washington.
2: It'd be better to drive, actually, because we are, uh, to get anywhere from where I live, you have to fly to Salt Lake City, so. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's,
3: yeah, but definitely from Sioux Falls to Salt Lake.
0: Mm-hmm. That would be good. All right. And from Sooth Falls, South Dakota, Connie, one of our newly elected board members of ACB, um, also an integral member of the ad hoc voting task force that made the virtual voting this year possible. Uh, Connie, welcome. Thank you, Clark. And Connie, how long have you been involved with ACB?
3: I have been involved with ACB since 1984. I was a student representative. For South Dakota back in 1984, um, Del Amon, who was one of the first members of ACB and helped actually write, wrote the first constitution, um, got me involved.
0: Oh, wow. I love it. Get, getting those ACB students involved uh, early and often. Yep. So, and Connie, have you held any uh, other elected positions or other uh, other involvement in ACB of note that you'd like to mention here?
3: Um, sure, clerk. I have. I am currently the president of South Dakota Association of the Blind. I have also served as on the board of directors and as acting treasurer on the state level, and then on the local level, I um, served as president and vice president and treasurer. So, um, in 2020, I was um, awarded the J.P. Morgan Chase uh, Fellowship, which was a huge honor and. Locally, uh, I just want to recognize that um, in 2017, the governor of South Dakota recognized me as our outstanding citizen with a disability for all of my advocacy work. And then 2018, the South Dakota Association of the Blind recognized me for my advocacy work. And so, yeah, as you said, I am the outreach, communication and outreach specialist for the boarding task force. And I am part of the transportation committee here. Um, ACB, I'm part of the subgroup on the handbook for um, pedestrians. So yeah, um, I think there's probably other couple things, but that's the main stuff right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So just a few things going on there. A few things. (laughs) That's right. Well, great. Well, welcome to the podcast, and uh, thank you for all you do for ACB. Thank you. And all right. So I'm also noticing a trend here with these J.P. Morgan Chase fellows who have uh, progressed into leadership roles with the organization. Uh, Kenneth Simeon, how are you doing today, sir?
4: I'm doing great. I'm glad to be
0: here with you all. And Kenneth, you are joining us from Beaumont, Texas. Is that correct?
4: That's correct. About 90 miles from Houston, Texas.
0: And I know that because you are a friend of the podcast, making uh, appearances over the past few years. And it's always a pleasure to have you back with us.
4: Yes. So, And Kenneth, how
0: how long have you been involved with ACB and uh, what other positions have you held in addition to your uh, newly elected board position?
4: I've been a member of ACB uh, for 16 years. And uh, throughout those years, I've served as chapter president, uh, second vice president on the state level, president on the state level. Um, I've been uh, the affiliate president of ACB Lions, uh, the chair of the Dura K. Daniel Fund Committee uh, for about five years now and been a member for longer than that. I've also enjoyed being a member of the membership committee uh, for ACB where we did uh, some great things. And uh, I'm also serving now as the uh, member lead on the scholarship and award steering committee.
0: And that is great. Um... The scholarship and the DKM first timers, also just such vital programs to pumping that new lifeblood into the organization and getting folks involved and introducing them to all ACB has to offer, just uh, very similar to the JPMorgan Chase fellows. So thank you, Kevin. By
4: the way, by the way, I was a DKM first timer uh, in 2010. Uh, oh my since, goodness. Since then I've been able to enjoy uh, attending every convention. Uh you know, doing so many more things, and who would have thought that I would have become the chair of that very committee I joined after being a recipient?
0: Wow! All right,
4: uh, Chris Bell. So,
0: what year were you a first timer? <laughs> I don't even
5: remember, <laughs> but I've been I've been a member for over forty years. That's that's all I know. And uh, I've been uh, <clears throat> I've been involved in the ACB in a whole bunch of ways. I chaired the advocacy committee. I've chaired the environmental access committee. Um, I've been vice president of the Minnesota Council of the Blind. I'm president of the North Carolina Council of the Blind. And uh, I've just generally been involved in uh, in advocacy. I've done a lot of other advocacy, too. I was the co-chair of this Minnesota statewide Olmstead Advisory Committee, and I was uh, co-chair of the Minnesota Council on People with Disabilities. So, I've done a lot of uh, ACB stuff, but I've also done a lot of PAN disability stuff.
0: That's great, and uh, many folks know your active advocacy work in the transportation and environmental access space, the, uh, the community event that was turned into a podcast earlier this year on advocating for accessible pedestrian signals, the great work that you and the North Carolina Council of the Blind have done recently on voting. Um, So always a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. And uh, this next question, I'll start with our two ladies, Deb Cook-Lewis and Connie Sims. Um, What brought you to ACB? And uh, I guess I'll start with Connie. Connie, you already answered this a little bit talking about, it sounds like you had a mentor there in South Dakota who was very involved with ACB from its inception. Was there anything else that Uh, kind of spurred you on to get involved with ACB?
3: You know, that, that was the big thing, you know, but I would say all the advocacy work and the friendships, I mean, um, it's been great to be able to have the friendships make over, you know, make the friendships. Um, I would say ACB is a family. I um, consider them a family and, you know, the more involved um, you get, the more friends or family you get. And it's, so it's, it's, It's important. It's important to be able to be able to connect with other people and have the same interests and same desires and the advocacy work. I've always um, known that I can always count on ACB when I've done my local advocacy work, um, that I can always look to ACB for their assistance or guidance.
0: Thanks, Connie. And Deb, anything you'd like to add or anything different for you?
2: Well, I just think that advocacy is the key to uh, the whole system of change. And I believe that we are, in, you know, sort of like our convention theme was better together. Um, I believe that it's critical to be part of an organization to have the most effective advocacy. And that doesn't mean you can't personally advocate for yourself because of course you can, and of course you should. But when when there are big ticket issues, you won't probably get there alone. So um, I I believe that it's absolutely critical and um, to, to be part of an organization. And so for that reason, um, I'm here all the way because there's so much more we can do in a collaborative environment. And um, that's what I'm about.
0: Great. So, Kenneth, I'm hearing uh, friendship, community, advocacy. Uh, is there anything else that you think of when you think about why you joined ACB or what your favorite parts are about ACB?
4: Initially, uh, it was uh, so advantageous of me to get uh, become a member of the Houston Council of the Blind uh, years ago. Because I did, when I first experienced vision loss, I didn't know how I could even live this way. I didn't want to, really. I just wanted my sight back. But after witnessing so many professionals uh, who were blind doing things, I decided, uh, you know, hey, I, if they can do it, I can do it. So I just got involved and I've always uh, done volunteer work, uh, even being cited. Uh, and I just wanted to be a part of something that was moving. And I actually have been called a move and a shaker. Mostly everything I become a part of, I'm doing something. Uh, to make things better. And that's why I want to be a part of ACB. And I've met so many people as kind of stated that has helped me to be able to connect and uh, make some moves that uh, sometimes I didn't believe I would uh, be ready for and the door opened up. So I'm happy about just being able to serve.
0: Nice. And Chris, same question to you and anything you'd like to add to what our other guests have said?
5: Well, I, you know, ACB was a revelation to me. I hadn't been in Uh, involved in any blindness organization in my early 20s, although I was legally blind when I was 18. And I, I got to ACB and I heard people say, hey, Charlie, where are you? And I thought, Hot damn. <laughs> I can be no, I can be a normal person in this group. You know? It doesn't matter that I'm blind. Everybody's blind here. It just felt like such a relief. Um, so friendship and acceptance uh, were were real important to me as well as the the sort of philosophy of the organization towards advocacy, which I believed in.
0: And Chris, you said your involvement began to forty some odd years ago. Um, over that time and the various positions you've held has obviously shaped your experience with the, within ACB, but what made you uh, decide to run for a board position and become a member of the ACB board? Well,
5: I really believe that one of the challenges ACB faces is how to preserve the knowledge and skills and abilities of people of the baby boom generation, like I am, who, uh, you know, aren't going to be around forever. And uh, so we have people with great knowledge about, you know, special education and voc rehab and Randolph Shepherd and ADA, etc. But we don't have a good way to pass that on. And so one of my primary interests is to tr- try to create an, an advocacy legacy uh, for ACB.
0: That's great. And I, I'm sure that will probably come up later on as well as we talk about our advocacy work and how we can improve our ap- advocacy work or what opportunities lie ahead as well. So thank you. And Kevin, back to you. What made you, excuse me, Kenneth, excuse me, Kenneth, what made you want to run for a, a seat on the ACB Board of Directors?
4: Well, uh, one of my most important reasons is that I felt it was time. So many uh, members of ACB encouraged me to run for the board uh, through the past at least five years, and I just didn't feel it was the right time. But this year, I felt it was the right time, and ultimately, uh, it happened. Uh, but I wanted to join in in succession planning and helping ACB as more uh, as much as I do even in my local area and my state affiliate, just making sure that we have things in place that will uh, help those who come behind us to move forward. Uh, so I, I want to be a part of a succession planning, and I'm able to do that through our Derrick K. McDaniel Fund, meeting these uh, great people that want to learn and grow. Uh, and So I connect with that, and that's uh, falling in line with my my hope and goal is to, to join in with our board of directors to collaboratively uh, come up with some ways that we can make sure that ACB uh, ACB's future is sustained through these uh, people who will come even after us
0: totally yeah i'm uh, noticing some some synergies between your reasoning and chris's reasoning on uh, succession planning and knowledge transfer for advocacy work setting up a stable foundation for the organization so that it can be uh, you know sustainably moved ahead and into the future all right connie uh, same question to you what made you want to run uh, for the board, not only once this year and not only twice, but three times. Uh, you must have had some pretty strong convictions there. So, what made you want to be involved with the ACB Board of Directors?
3: I did. Um, and I had a lot of support. I um kind of the same reasons that Kenneth and Chris said. It's, you know, I believe highly in ACB and the path they're going. And I like to be part of that um, path to keep growing and keep going solid and being part of the um, ad hoc voting and being able to bring more members to voting and be able to participate. The communication um, has been very rewarding for me. I mean, I just, I think we wanna make sure that everyone, all members are included as possible. Um, And if that's in the future, I see that there's a lack of broadband and um, accessible technology, um, especially in some of the rural areas and low income. Mm. And I, I like to just keep working towards that. And I think the voting is a huge thing. And just I want to keep working with that communication
2: and seeing ACB succeed.
0: That's great. So, um, and Deb Cook-Lewis, same same question to you.
2: Sure. So, you know, I, I certainly concur with all of the things that have been said. And I think as part of my sort of campaign, if you will, um, I talked about the fact that in ACB, we need to learn to work smarter, not harder. We couldn't work much harder than we do. But mm-hmm. but we certainly could have some better processes in place. And in some cases, some processes in place. Um, we, we could do better with our infrastructure. And that's all about sustainability and growth, but it's about um, being a streamlined um, thinking of of ourselves as not just a little you know, mom and pop organization, but that we're really an entity, we're really a big force, and, and we need to use our influence in our sphere well. So um, those are things that I bring from my professional career and hope to apply um, here as well. Um, on, on the other side of it, um, just on a personal level, I like adventure. And, um, and so I thought that um, a a rather adventuresome move would be to uh, run for office. And I had actually planned to um, wait and run for treasurer when that became kind of naturally available. And because that's what I've done so many times is be the treasurer, and I know how. So, um, so basically, um, you know, that was my plan. And then several people came to me and said, "Oh, no, 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 that's that's the wrong answer." And so, um, so I had I got an opportunity to do a little rethinking. And and like Connie noted, I had a lot of support. So um, I I'm very much appreciative of that.
0: Well, I think support for all four of you is, is unquestionable. I know I enjoyed hearing the other members who spoke up and spoke, sorry, stepped up and spoke on your behalf during the conference and convention. Um, you all ran very competitive campaigns. And yeah, I, I'm glad that we have the opportunity to to work together, but additionally, to get to know a little bit more about you. And because several of you started to bring up uh, advocacy issues that you think are uh, important and vital for the organization, Swatha, I'm gonna step out of the way and let you take over the advocacy related questions.
1: Yeah, let's go. Um, so um, this question is for all four of you, but um, start, start with Deb first. Um, what issues or um, areas of advocacy work have you been most active in um, as a or prior to your role as new VP?
2: Well, um, I've been um, an advocate with respect to um, technology issues um, for the most part, and I have worked on a number of industry initiatives related to various um, accessibility issues. um, And in the past, in my employment, um, I was under NDA with a number of of industry players. And more recently, I've been involved with some of the voting uh, technology developers um, and in a a variety of ways. So that's been an important area for me. Um, Outside of ACB, I am the chair of the Washington State Human Rights Commission, which is really the highest um, sort of civil rights position in our state. And and that's been a really unique opportunity to learn uh, much more about a a lot of different um, uh, issues related to civil rights, some of which relate to disability and some of which relate to other things. And um, so that's been a really valuable um, experience um, for me as well. But I would say that most of my direct advocacy work has uh, been around issues related to access to technology. That
1: is great. I am really appreciative of the work. Um, as a techie myself, it's really mm-hmm. um, great. Yes, mm-hmm. um, yeah, same to you, Connie, um, what issues are... Issue areas have you been active in um prior to your new position? Um thanks, Swatha. Um
3: you know, I guess the voting task force, um, making accessible voting for ACB, um, for all members, the transportation uh committee. I transportation is a huge advocacy, locally, um, state, nationally for me, being in a rural state, um, transportation is a huge issue. So that's big thing. Um, again, on the on the national and kind of on the state level, local level, I'm on the city's um, pedestrian advisory committee. Um, a lot of the transportation, I, being in the healthcare profession, uh, I've always advocated for um, equal access for all disabilities. I did a lot of training when I worked for Sanford Medical Center and um, did actually training for their whole enterprise-wide on um, disabilities. So I did a lot of advocacy work there. So it's kind of healthcare, transportation, accessible voting um, for in-state and for ACB.
1: Yeah, great. Yeah, healthcare is pretty important. Uh, Access to healthcare is important. Um, Kenneth, whom do you?
4: Yes, I've had some great opportunities in my local area uh, while serving as the chair of of our Mayor's Committee on People with Disabilities. That gave me a voice in our community to get some things done. Uh, That committee ended up uh, being dissolved. And following that, uh, I actually advocated for our public libraries to have JAWS, uh, our screen reader, on all of our uh, computers in those five public libraries that we have. Initially, I was told that we couldn't do it because there was no funding available. But being that I had been the chair of the marriage committee, I knew that we raised thousands of dollars that was still there in the bank, sitting in the bank. And I began to uh, visited city council wanted to know how can we use those funds to make sure that our library, libraries are uh, having accessible equipment there. So they went on to do much more than I was asking for. I was mainly just focusing on our screen readers being Put there because they ordered new computers for all the libraries but they didn't include jaws as they had it before and they said they couldn't afford it mm-hmm. so once i identified those funds that were available they used utilized those funds to get not only uh jaws a screen reader for the computers at each of those five libraries they built a, a, a total workstation where it could be accessible for everybody with any disability uh so and that included ergonomic uh, a desk chair and and keyboard, all kinds of uh, things like that. So it went well beyond what I was planning for. uh, And and I'm just glad about that. That was locally on the state level. Mainly I've been uh, really working on voting issues for at least the past four years, uh, trying our best to get equal access to the absentee ballot in Texas. And I'm pretty sure all of you have heard about our challenges, but we will continue to fight. This year we've had to be creative with our advocacy. And uh, this is my first time being able to write an op-ed uh, that would have been supportive of our efforts in the midst of the challenges we faced. We've had other people to, uh, to want to interview us. We had a number of local, state and national interviews that we participated in. We had to do some new things this year, at least to let our voices be heard. So we will still continue to work uh, through this second special session our governor has called and try to get some equal, some type of uh, greater access to that uh, ballot and, and, you know, break some of these barriers that have been put up uh, to kind of like uh, really hinder us for some time.
1: Yep. Voting access, voting access is, quite, is pretty important, especially um, now. Um, Chris, you mentioned voting and you mentioned APS. Um, can you tell us like what else you've been doing in advocacy work?
5: Sure. Um, uh, I have been uh, very involved in in ACB written advocacy. Uh, I wrote the uh, comments uh, to the Federal Highway Administration's Manual and Uniform Traffic Control Devices calling for them to um, require the installation of accessible pedestrian signals uh, as, a, as a disability rights issue. Uh, and I also wrote for ACB and for Dan Spoon, a letter to the Secretary of Transportation, Mr. Buttigieg, uh, regarding uh, making the Federal Highway Administration uh, require accessible pedestrian signals and all the reasons uh, for that. And I've done uh, in the past, I represented ACB on uh, its kind it's of technical name, it's the A1 Committee on Accessible Buildings and Facilities, uh, which is done by the the International Coordinating Council. Uh, And I was able to get a provision in there that requires um, that there be separation of pedestrians and cars, physical separation of pedestrians and cars in parking lots. Um, for new construction because that's always been a bugaboo. You walk through a parking lot and people are backing up on both sides and coming towards you and away from you, and I just thought it was insane that there wasn't an accessible path to travel. Um, so I've done a, a lot of those things.
1: Great. Um, yeah, Trans- transportation access is really important, and um, access to safe roads is important as well. Um, this question, next next question is for all you again, but um, you can, so it's Chris, so it's Chris, um, what advice do you have for um, members or just general people, public wanting to um, get into, into, into issue, issue, issue advocacy?
5: You know, I think sometimes we, we make people think it's complicated. Uh, to me, it comes down to this see it, say it, and do it. Um, so I I have on my iPhone the contact numbers for my uh, uh, state senator and my local representative and my congressperson and my two U.S. senators. And I call them up regularly when I see something that uh, I think affect uh, people who are blind or low vision or people with disabilities. And I just call them up and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm a constituent, and here's what I want you to do, or here's what I, I think about this. And it takes all of, uh, you know, five minutes. Um, it's real easy to do, and it really counts, because, you know, most people don't do that. And so the people they hear from, uh, they consider to be significant and representative of many of their other constituents. Um, so that's the, that's the I think, the easiest thing that people can do, and it'll have a big impact.
1: Yeah, definitely. A lot of people think it's not, it's like very complicated, very um, tedious to do, but it's actually pretty easy just call center or a representative and it takes a don't do that long. Um, Kenneth, anything to add?
4: Yes. Well, I uh, really have witnessed some of our members really finding out that it's not as difficult as, it, as they may have thought. We've actually advocated for ourselves a number of times through life that we may not have uh, uh, actually pinpointed that it was actually advocacy. Uh, when you stand up for yourself by asking uh, more than once for something that you wanted, even if you've been told no, uh, you're self-advocating. At times, uh, when it comes to uh, advocacy work on the state level or national, sometimes we think it's so tough. Well, I've tried my best as advocacy chair in Texas to make it simple for our members to to think that hey, yeah, you don't have to. If you're shy, you don't. Uh, I'm there as well, but I make sure that I just try my best to get involved because it'll make it'll make a difference. Think about the difference that it will make uh, that if you participate, and also. Uh, We can help you to find a simple way, like just putting a simple statement together for you to help you to begin with. And then you can fine tune that and uh, enhance it as you move forward. But you can send that by email. You can make a phone call. And at times those calls don't have to be long. Uh, We help you to know how to get the contact information for your senator and uh, state representatives. And uh, it's good for you to build. We encourage building a relationship with them. And then after a while, you find out it's not as hard, uh, and they don't. It's not something that they're they're uh, ready to uh, fight you on. It's just you. You have a voice, and you're able to share your thoughts and your feelings about what should be happening. And once you do it a few times, you find it is easier, and then you want to do it more.
1: Yeah, definitely, you find a lot that they want to hear from you too. Um, Connie, anything to add? Uh, Yeah. So I, for me, I've been an advocate
3: almost my whole life. I, I was taught that from my parents when I was young. So, and what I, they taught me and I showed, and I, and I what I talked to um, other friends and anyone is that you need to get to know your local officials. If you're going to advocate on a local or state level or national level, get to know um, the officials that you need to work with and just kind of form a friendship. not have to be a personal friendship, but just a a casual friendship, and let them know your concerns and respect them, and they'll learn to respect you. Um, you know, Clark kind of gives me a bad time. I um, I do. <laughs> I have a personal personal connection with John Thune and his um staffer Chance, and uh, it's nice that I can just reach out to them, and I know John. Can...
5: Say, say, <laughs> say yes, yeah, he yes, yeah.
3: he's a. So, star. Uh, He's, John Thune is the second in command. Um, he's a senator for South Dakota, mm-hmm. so and he is the head of the Transportation Committee. So um, I've been able to work with him closely, and he actually does um, pick my brain about the um, Thomas's vehicles and, you know, just even back things in South Dakota. And then Mike Rounds is another senator and is very concerned about disability rights. But John, it's nice and chance that you can just get to know them and visit with them. Um, So just reach out and make that personal connection and not go in there and say, you have to have this done. But it might be what you want to have done, but show them that you want to work together on it.
1: Yeah, networking is really important for lots of things. Um, Deb, anything, anything else?
2: Yeah, you know, I I think everything that's been stated here really covers it well, but what I usually talk to people about is tell your personal story succinctly and clearly, um, making sure that you explain why this matters to you, because it's it's not that useful to go into people and say, I think you're violating a law over here. Well, fine. Um, you know, we've got way too much too much to do, too little resource, and we'll violate a law here or there. But if you really are able to explain how the circumstance actually impacts you personally, and, and how because of what's going on, you're not able to do something or something is is amiss, um, that is very, very helpful. And especially, as Connie said, really understanding and knowing your uh, target, who who your target is, what they're able to do, um, what they're willing to do. uh, Learning a little bit about their world is very, very helpful because negotiation is often a key to this. Maybe we need a place to be at a particular place, and we all agree we could get there in time, but there might have to be some intermediate steps uh, because of issues of policy, or funding, or resource, or attitudes, or whatever you have. And so um, uh, figuring out uh, how to negotiate that process is incredibly important
1: yeah three it's pretty, it's pretty um you find you find you find it get it better results if you if you soften up a bit if you don't like um just go in there and say you're breaking the law just mm-hmm. yeah, soften it up yep mm-hmm. <laughs> so our next question um is um about the res- the ACB re- resolution resolution resolutions process. um so it's definitely underway um so Usar dev um again. So um have you been involved in the process before and um in what ways?
2: Yes, I actually appreciate our new um process where we do it during daylight hours or early evening hours instead of in the middle of the night because I am not nocturnal, so I just want to go on record. But um, I've actually always been engaged in the process. I've always uh, read resolutions. I've always sent in comments. I've always participated in the meetings that are held when I'm awake. Um, I've stayed up for a few at the conventions. Um, I've been the resolutions chair on the state level for years and years and years. So I am pretty familiar. With the, the overall process of resolution making and how organizations use or don't use the results of that. And uh, yeah, definitely been involved with it. Yep.
3: Connie, have you been involved? Yeah, I have been involved some. Um, and this year I've been listening and I have not you know spoken on any, but I have been reading some and have actually helped um, review some that have before they have gone to the committee. So I am. Um, I do believe that there's a process and I'm glad that they are meeting earlier. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think that there needs to be, you know, um, some more. Um, I, I, I would like to see, you know, with this many, especially this year, we have like 34, 35 mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them have to do with advocacy um, is do, do they need to go to the, to the advocacy group and have the advocacy, you know, group, look at some of these and see how they partace- participate. And that's I would like that process part of the advocacy or the resolutions.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, Kenneth um, your input?
4: Okay, during our recent um, evenings where they've talked about resolutions, I've listened in uh, as kind of stated, I did not uh, verbally, verbally give input, but I, I I don't I'm one that doesn't just speak just to say I spoke or to say I was being heard. So I listened and I was tuning into those so that I could get better familiar with uh, what, what is being proposed and then I can you get a better a way of understanding uh, how I need to be a part of that process. I've had the privilege of chairing our resolutions committee in our state for some years now, and I had to learn it all by, you know, uh, alone in the beginning, just breaking one that was previously submitted down in order for me to know about the whereas clauses and how what important information should be included in that resolution. And I think once you read one of those just uh, uh, through the clauses one at a time, you begin to, begin to be, uh, better understand what a resolution really is. And while being the president of uh, ACB Alliance, we've worked together on a team to develop resolutions that would uh, support our causes. And uh, so that connected with ACB. But uh, I'm looking forward to more Uh, participation in those those matters uh, as a board member. Uh, But I I will always uh, make sure I understand what's really being proposed before I speak.
1: Yeah, that's important. Um, Chris? Uh,
5: um, So I'm kind of appalled that we have 34, 35 resolutions uh, coming up. I have been involved in writing resolutions in the past, mostly for the Environmental Access and Transportation Committees. But I really think we have to uh, look at this resolution process and decide um, what it is that we're trying to accomplish. I want to steal something from what uh, uh, Deb said uh, before we went on uh, on recording, which is I think we have to decide uh, what things are realistically things that ACB and its staff can advocate for, because everybody has limited time. And uh you know, to have a resolve clause that says uh, ACB staff shall do X, Y, and Z and, you know, give them 35 different directions, that's to me, that's crazy. Um, so I think we have to be uh, much more mindful of our resources in terms of things that are important for us to advocate. And then I think we also, again, to steal from Deb. Um, there are things that we need to take a position on as an organization. Um, and I think we need to think about um, not only, obviously, the positions we take, but uh, whether Uh, we need to take a position via a resolution or some other mechanism. So in short, I I really think we shouldn't have 35 resolutions. Um, And uh, so I'd like to work on that process. And I will probably vote against uh, quite a few of them as being too much. Um, But, you know, that's where I'm coming from. Thanks.
1: Yeah. So you brought the issue of strategizing. Yeah. So what um, advice is Chris um towards you um what advice do you have for new members or even even like old members that like, want to get involved in the process um how can you do so what do you suggest
5: well I think it's it's um, I think one thing is to be involved in the affiliate committees and national committees. And I think to do that well, um, it's important to talk to the chair of the committee and say, all right, what skills, what abilities, what, what knowledge do you need now on this committee? And, and what is it you want to try to uh, produce um, because you know, we have committees with lots of people on them, and we have committees with you know only a few people on them. But I'm not sure that we really think about um, what functions we want committee members to serve. To you know, there are gaps of knowledge and gaps of experience. So I think it would be important to reach out to in areas that you're interested in, get involved, talk to the committee chairs, and find out what they need, and, and see whether that's something that you can uh, fit in and contribute to
1: yeah definitely. Um, Kenneth, what do you um, give advice for anyone most involved?
4: Okay, I want to make sure I understand the question. Uh, I heard Chris talk about committees and I can go right along with that. Uh, was it about specifically about uh, committee work?
1: Um, it was more general like um, what do you like what um, advice or like how do you how do you, um, people who want to start in the process um, how can they start and then also advice?
4: Yeah. okay I like that okay yeah it really does connect with what Chris was saying uh my thought was uh what I've done just recently with our award recipients on the Derrick K Daniel uh level uh I encouraged them to, I sent them the link to all of our committees and asked them to consider serving and uh contact the uh chair to ask questions about what the, the work uh, they do and how, find out how you connect with that committee uh, because I believe uh, if you connect in a way with something that you feel like you can play a part in you will feel fulfilled and you'll do a great job but if you're just there uh, just because somebody else wanted you to be there you may not do a good job and you may find out later on that uh, you may have to find a, another committee that would uh, serve you well and better and also where you can contribute to to make a difference everything that we sign up for we should really know that we are going to be able to contribute uh, by using our skills and abilities and it's not just about what somebody else may want, but what? how do you fit in there? And uh, so ask questions and uh, and try to learn about what's mostly important to you as, that would affect the uh, others, uh, lives of others, I would say. Make an impact. I, I want to be able to make an impact in whatever way I'm able to serve, and I would encourage that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Connie, any input?
3: Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. They both have said it's, I would say, you yeah. know whatever one someone is interested in, it, we all have our interests and skills. And as president of, of South Dakota, I just, I look at um, my members and I, I talk to them. I try to reach out and visit with them and see what their interests are and what their skills are and ask what they want to be involved in. It, it might take time, but that's how you get to know people. And that way they feel comfortable sometimes one-on-one um, and asking questions. So they may not, feel comfortable just calling up so if you reach out to them first and say you know hey you know this is Connie you know what what are you interested in and what do you like and um we have some opportunities here would you be interested I have more better responses that way and I think it's just communication having people feel comfortable and knowing that they can do things and be respected
1: definitely um Deb anything
2: think add Yes, make a connection with, with whatever committee or area of interest you have, for sure. Many of our committees um, and boards have um, public, fairly public meetings most of the time, and, and some don't as much. I, I certainly encourage that they do, uh, whether people can come and actually participate or whether they come in a listen-only, but, but I really hope to see more committees do that. But if you have one that you're interested in, or that it might be connected to something that you're interested in, start coming to their meetings. Because I don't know, I'm always a little puzzled when somebody comes to committees that I work on, and calls me and says, I'd like to be on that. And I'm like, have you ever been to one of our meetings? No. I was like, well, Hmm. come to some. So, you know, I mean, that's kind of your first step. And so absolutely, um, you know, if you're not sure who it is or where it is, um, then, you know, ask and you can ask in the office or you can ask, you know, someone, any of us that you know or whatever. I mean, we can help you find them, but I really think you need to be, you need to show yourself available and, um, and start and contribute in that way. And um, I, I feel strongly that, um, that there are opportunities um, when you do that.
0: And yeah, Deb, don't, don't. speaking of opportunities, sorry, Swatha, I'm just going to no, jump first. in here quickly because we're, we're almost towards the end. So I just want to uh, kind of put a bow on our conversation here. But Deb, because you mentioned opportunities, I'd like to pull our next questions into just a, a single question with a two-part answer for each of the panelists. Deb, are there opportunities ahead that you are excited to work on uh, or advocate on behalf of ACB for both internally and uh, externally or more broadly? So is there one priority that you're excited to work on within ACB and another advocacy opportunity you're excited to work on um, on behalf of ACB more broadly?
2: Well, internally, I'm very, very committed to um, ACB's process around um, building its infrastructure, building building the resources and technologies we need. Um, That's going to be translating into our unique convention that we're about to embark on this next year, and I'm really excited about that. Externally, um, I am actually pretty committed to all of the things that we've been working on as our legislative imperatives over the past uh, couple of years. So things related to healthcare, things related to transportation, uh, the things that our members, um, identify as significant, important are definitely important to me.
0: Great. Thanks, Deb. And, and Connie, how about you?
3: Um, thanks Clark. I, I go with Deb on policy and I also feel like procedures, you know, we have a lot of new staff, a lot of new infrastructure. And we, there's a lot of new stuff. And I think that we want to make sure there's procedures down, um, that we can all follow and we know the steps and what's important and what's next. Um, outside of ACB, I, I think it's you know all the imperatives that we've been talking about, we've been working on and being part of the get up and go or get up and move campaign, um, which is close to my heart, being able to get up and move and exercise and all the health care part of it. Um, that's my love and passion. So that one is a huge one for me.
0: That's great. Always, uh, always welcome a plug for the ACB Get Up and Get Moving campaign. So thank you for that, Connie. And Kenneth, how about you? Uh, Something you're excited to work on within ACB and then uh, an external uh, advocacy priority?
4: I really am interested in focusing on, uh, you know, onboarding. Uh, to the board of directors, there's some questions that I have had. And at times you do have to ask questions. I came up with 15 ways to maximize your ACB membership that I love to share with others. And it's been in a real form. The first thing is be inquisitive. I've had to, to do it on my own to ask a lot of questions. And I've been asked to serve on the board, but I wasn't getting information that I really needed to make an informed decision. So I had to ask a lot of questions. I wanna make it easier for those who come uh, behind us uh, to know some things that they need to know before they say yes, make an informed decision Uh, outside of ACB. And I'm so proud of ACB and everything that we're doing to get the uh, the name of ACB out into the public uh, through advocacy efforts and uh, our president being out front and making some things happen. Uh, I just want to be a part of that, creating a a greater image for ACB uh, where more people will know that we're here. There are some people that don't even know that we exist. And I think there's some things that we can do to make sure that more people will know about what we do, why we uh, want to make things better for people who are blind or visually impaired.
0: Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Kenneth, ah, geez, second time. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kenneth. People do that all the uh, but, time
4: for some reason. Uh,
0: you know, I, I get Carl, uh, you know, 99 times out of 100, thanks to a few select folks in the <laughs> ACV national office. So um, what goes around comes around, I suppose. And Chris, to you, um, one thing that you're excited to work on internal to ACB and then advocacy priorities external to ACB.
5: Yes, uh, well, I mentioned uh, wanting to try to uh, uh, create a legacy of from mm-hmm. people that have experience and knowledge in our different subject matter areas that are important to the blindness community. Um, another thing that's important to me, and it's not anything that I per se, pushing in terms of organizational structure. But I happen to be a person with multiple disabilities, and I think that there are quite a few uh, people who are blind, but also have uh, other issues, whether it's hearing or uh, mobility or learning disabilities. And I try to be vocal that about my other disabilities. And I hope that people feel free that, yeah, we are blind and low vision people and we're in an organization of blind and low vision people, but um, we have other issues too. And we shouldn't ignore mm-hmm. them and shouldn't feel that we can't talk about them because they're not uh, blind or low vision. Um, in terms of, of outside uh, ACB, um, I would like to see ACB become even more involved in litigation uh, on disability rights issues, obviously including voting, but also accessible pedestrian signals. ACB has been very successful in, in pursuing litigation at the affiliate level in, in New York City and Chicago. And I think that that's something we can pursue in other large metropolitan areas uh, along the same legal theories of uh, you know systemic lack of access to accessible pedestrian signals. So that's something that I'd like to work on.
0: All right. Well, giddy up.
5: <laughs>
0: more, uh, more advocacy, more litigation, and I, Chris, I couldn't uh, agree with you more. You know, we talk about the ACB community events, uh, creating a safe, welcoming, and respectful uh, community for all of ACB. And yes, vi- vision loss, uh, blindness—that's the the tie that binds us all together. But it is not the only thing that defines us as people, right? So how can we ensure that all people living with vision loss are welcomed, feel safe, and respected uh, within the ACB community and the ACB family? So, well, everyone, thank you so much for this conversation here. Swatha, any other questions uh, you want to th- throw at our guests here before we sign off?
1: Just a general question. Um, what, like, just for fun, um, what are your favorite parts of ACV? Is
5: that against Swatha?
1: So what are your favorite, 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 favorite parts about ACV and being a member?
5: Oh. Well, this is Chris. I, I would say my favorite part right now is the community calls. I think they're just awesome. And I think Cindy Hollis has done an, an incredible job. Um, and uh, so that, that's that's my high point.
4: And how about you? How about Kenneth? Okay. You know, I missed the question. Could you say, say it one more time?
1: Yeah, so what are your favorite, part, favorite parts of, Favorite parts about being a member of
4: ACB? Okay, I, I love the connections that we're able to make uh, with one another and those who we work with, uh, and especially even our corporate sponsors. Uh, I love being able to to witness uh, being a part of something that's moving. We have built momentum in these past few years, uh, and really uh, I just want to be a part of something that's moving forward, and ACB is that vehicle right now for me.
1: Connie? You know, I
3: would say the friendships, the community, um, just that we can keep moving forward. You know, it's it's grown over the years and I see ACB is continuing to grow and I'm just happy that I'm part of that. And I hope being on the board, I can help continue that process. And the communication part, it's just, it's huge. And now being able to vote and making it going to be a hybrid conventions. I just, I feel like we're all moving forward and it's going to be one big, you know, happier family that we can all connect more.
2: Yep. And last but not least, Deb. Well, I, I actually do have a little bit different response on this one. I guess I'm not as much of a connector as the rest of our new board members. But for me, I really like the challenge of learning so many new things and learning about so many new things. And I know I've really enjoyed working with, for example, the, the state affiliates and having their conventions and some other things like that, because I've learned so much about um, what goes on in our in our various affiliates and with our members and and. Uh, with our initiatives. And for me, that's always uh, the most interesting part of it all. Definitely.
0: Well, thank you all for sharing. Uh, I know it's been a pleasure for us to have a conversation with you here today and congratulations on your newly elected positions. So Deb Cook-Lewis at ACB's first vice president. Deb, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And to our new board members, Kenneth Simeon, Connie Sims, and Chris Bell, thank you all for joining us for the conversation here today and your continued advocacy work. One of the things I loved about you all sharing your favorite parts of ACB is that they're they are items that are evergreen in continuing to grow and to improve the organization. Um, We've been around for 60 years, and we plan to be around for at least 60 years to come. Um, So if you'd like to join us again and uh, support these efforts, get involved, be part of the conversation in the community events, and work with us on our legislative imperatives and advocacy issues to move uh, people with vision loss and people with disabilities forward, please, again, visit our website, acb.org. And join us as we all say, Swatha,
1: keep advocating.
4: Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update.
0: You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org.